Hey, it's Diana and Susanna, your favorite global health scientists. And you're listening to Global Caveat. This is the last episode of the season, but don't worry, we will still be doing a few lives on Instagram to discuss COVID-19 as well as what we have in the works for season three. We want to thank you, our supporters, who make Global Caveat possible. Please take a couple seconds to give us some stars, share us with your loved ones, and leave a review. If you want to further support us, you can sign up on our Patreon for just $1 a month. Yes, please support us. Now, let's dive in. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Joey Ha about the 2020 census. Hello, Joey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. You know, jo- uh, Diana and I were joking that we should just have all our guests return. Cause well, especially you, because now you've been in both seasons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so for season three, you're, you're going to have to um, come back with another topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of something. <laughs> um, but today, we're going to talk about the census um, yeah but also we should have joey introduce herself for mm-hmm. people that might not have listened to her first episode yes but you should listen to her first episode because she talks about some really interesting stuff but um yeah let's go ahead and do an intro all right yeah so uh, my name as has been expressed a few times is joey <laughs> I currently work for the 2020 census as a partnership specialist, meaning that a lot of the work I do is community outreach and community building in terms of getting folks prepared to fill out the census, which is out now. So you can fill it out now. Um, to reach me, uh, my work email is joey.ha at 2020census.gov. And y'all can put that in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so we're super glad you're here because I think the census is a lot and it's not done very often is my understanding, right? And so having someone in the government reaching out to the community and informing us is really good. So thank you for being here. Of course. Yeah, so let's start. Let's start with just a very simple, like, what is the census? Yeah, so the census is an official population count that we do every 10 years in the U.S., And it's one of the first things that we have in like our constitution. It's really the foundation of our, um, our democracy. And basically it asks very general demographic questions about you and your household. And then we use this data to inform basically every decision that you can possibly think of. So for example, there's around $675 billion of federal funding that goes out per year. And that's allocated by census data. So this funding goes to things like schools, roads, parks, hospitals. It goes to things like Medicare, Medicaid, federal Pell Grants for students, free and reduced lunch, literally everything you can think of. And especially relevant today, it goes to disaster relief um, and distributing resources in that um, realm. Additionally, uh, it relates to political power. So it's how we uh, our seats in Congress and it's what we use for redistricting. Okay. So you kind of covered what um what we wanted to ask following up with that is why is it so important for folks to fill out the census form? Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is um I think a lot of people right now are a bit stuck at home and they're wondering what they can do for their communities in this trying time and really like to encourage people to fill out their census. It only takes you five minutes. It's online. You can do it um, also through our hotlines. You can do it on paper. 
it's really convenient and it really the impact it lasts an entire decade. And if you care about your family in any way, it definitely provides for them. If you have a kid and you might need some extra support, the money that goes into Head Start free and reduced lunch, it comes from the census. Districts use census data also to decide the student to teacher ratio. Um, it's not just the federal government that uses census data. It's it's the local governments, it's um, county governments, state governments, what have you. It's also um, businesses from big businesses like Amazon and Google, if they're wanting to expand to like smaller business, if you're just trying to open up a like a donut shop, um, you can definitely use census data too to see where is the best place to open. Um, and nonprofits use it. So just in general, um, if you're trying to justify any funding or programming, you, you would use census data to justify it. And historically, um, what are the groups that aren't necessarily filling out these surveys and um, is that something that we're trying to, that you are trying to do in meeting those groups and having them take part in this? Yeah, absolutely. So it's something that we called hard to count communities. They're basically communities that are traditionally undercounted. And this could be for a variety of reasons. Um, one of the reasons which simply is that some folks don't trust the federal government. Um, especially right now, if there's fear of, getting deported by ICE and things like that. People are fearful of that. Sometimes it's folks that are experiencing homelessness and they just generally don't really have a place to stay. So it's harder for them to fill out the census. And then there's also just LGBTQ, uh, just communities of color and minorities in general um, are often the folks that are at most risk for not being counted. And a lot of the work that I personally do, uh, my outreach is Asian American Pacific Islander and just in general, hard to reach communities and really trying to reassure people that the census is safe. It's easy and it's confidential. So when you say it's safe and confidential, like what does that mean? So um, there is general fear uh, in regards to confidentiality and the data that we collect. However, all of our data is protected by Title 13. It's one of the strongest confidentiality laws that we really do have in this nation. And it basically says that the U.S. Census Bureau, any private information, any personal information that we collect, we cannot share it with any other agency. We cannot share it with any other organization, any individual, anything like that. So, for example, your information will not be shared with ICE. It won't be shared with police departments. It can't be shared with um, landlords. So I think a lot of times we have many people living in um, one apartment or one household, maybe more than the lease provides and is a fear that we'll share the information with the landlord too. But no, all of the information that we collect, it is protected and is private. You can't subpoena the data. You can't really in any circumstance get a hold of that data. Additionally, every single census employee takes a lifetime oath to never reveal any private or confidential information that they discover. If they do, they are liable up to $250,000 in fines and up to five years in prison. And that's per count, so that's per piece of information released. So we have some pretty oh, okay. steep, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people that have um, a lot of time in their lives and money just to um, spend 15 years in jail for sharing out information. Yeah. So we're hoping that it's a steep, steep enough um, punishment to really deter bad actors. And earlier you also were mentioning how you were working on like getting um, vulnerable populations to participate more with the new issues around COVID-19 and getting outside. 
how do you access homeless populations and how are they captured? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a priority of the Census Bureau. We have our um, we have entire an entire operation just focused on counting folks that are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we do in general um, is we make a lot of partnerships with local shelters, local nonprofits already doing really great work within their community. And then from there, since they are the uh, trusted voices in their community, that's really how we can access the populations that are experiencing homelessness. We do a point in time count for those populations, meaning on a particular day, we do go out and make sure to count everyone in the shelters and people that might be staying on streets um, and things like that. And we will practice precautions uh, um, that are recommended, the six feet distance apart and things like that. But it's it's definitely really important for us to count folks experiencing homelessness. Um, and we really do hope that because it's online this time around, that people will be able to fill it out on their own if they have access to phones or like the internet in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of questions, but let me pinpoint the appropriate one. So there were some misconceptions to my understanding about like what kind of questions are asked. And I know for a time, President Trump wanted to have a citizenship question on there. And I know that created some concerns, you know, regarding ICE, like you mentioned and everything. And so um, is that question on the census? And then are like, in general, what kinds of information does a census ask for? Sure. So the question, the citizenship question is not on the census. So there was a push um, from the administration to get it on the census. However, it did go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled that it should not be on the 2020 census. The information that we ask is very general, it's really basic. It's asking for your sex, um, date of birth, asks for your ethnicity and race, whether you rent or own your home, and how you're related to other people in your home. And that's about it. That's about it. Like We, we don't ask anything related to your social security number. We're not going to ask for um, your mother's maiden name, <laughs> for example. There are some scams going out there. So if they do ask for, um, if you have a form that does ask for your credit card number or any of the sort, that's not the census. So um, be sure to find the census 2020 logo on anything related to the census and you should be good to go. How do those types of questions help determine uh, resources that are allocated in local, state and the national government? So the main thing that we really get from this um from the decennial census is just in general the population it really is sort of a snapshot of the u.s at a certain time and then with this information is how we can decide um sort of in what area we need more support in child care for example so if we see there's a lot of children um in a certain area we will be able to better plan on what kind of resources that community particularly will need um whether it's free and reduced lunch or if they're older children if we need to focus more on federal Pell Grants. If it's an aging uh, population, making sure that we have all the right retirement resources for seniors and all of those things, it really does come from census data. And then other things like um, race and ethnicity, these are the uh, basically questions that we use to inform anti-discrimination laws. And census data, the aggregate form of it, it is publicly available. So like I mentioned earlier, not just the federal government uses it, the state, and the city, county, local governments, they can also use the data. And nonprofits can also use the data. So say, for example, you're working with a um, particular population, let's say it's just the Vietnamese American population, and you're working specifically on 
folks that are older in the population in regards to their mental health, for example. And to basically try to prove and justify what you're doing, you need to be able to say there's this many like Vietnamese people of this age in this area. And then so that information is also available for folks that are doing um, advocacy or activism work. So I know you said that there's um, a pretty strong confidentiality law placed on the data. And then I'm also hearing that the government and then, you know, some nonprofits, like they can access this data to help the community. Mm -hmm. What do they have to get some kind of approval? Like what are the steps in place for them to actually access the data? Sure. So the data itself, um, the aggregate form is publicly available and it'll be it'll be available next year. So aggregate meaning um, we will say in this city, there are this many people. Um, and then there are this many people that are this age. There are this many people that are of this background. But we will never release information that says there is this person. Her name is Susanna. She lives on this street and she's this old and all of these things. Um, <laughs> all of that information, that detailed, when you drill down that detailed information, is, we do not release. Um, it is just um, aggregate form. And then um, just to sort of continue on that, I know some folks are also just concerned that you can sort of brute force your way using algorithms to find out who's who looking at a pool of aggregate data. And there is really a ton of protections that the Census Bureau has taken in order to prevent that. So for example, there's something called differential privacy. It's something that we're using and not a ton of um, statisticians love it because it <laughs> adds basically a margin of error to the data. Um, and it makes it so you cannot in any way discover who is who by looking at aggregate data. Hmm. Interesting. So I have a concern about the word aggregate as an Asian American, <laughs> because so much of AAPI were put in this giant box of AAPI, right? And I don't identify as Vietnamese, like I'm Korean. Mm -hmm. And so if this data says there are this many Asians in this area, does that mean that I'm going to be compounded with Vietnamese, Hmong, Indian, you know, like all the different kinds of Asians and Pacific Islanders, or will it be broken down as well? So in the census, you'll be able to fill out your specific ethnicity um, and how that data is used, again, is up to the different institutions and organizations and um, agencies that do use it. So the Census Bureau, we just release the data. Um, and in that data, there is going to be more of disaggregated uh, forms in terms of ethnicity. So it's something that you can actually access now. And I'm happy to send um, some resources in a follow-up email. Or you can just basically go to data.census.gov. And it's basically this really great tool where you can explore census data. And I particularly love using it um, since my, my outreach is Asian American Pacific Islander. And I can basically use the tool to see, oh, there's this many folks that are Hmong in um, Adams County. So we definitely need more Hmong outreach in Adams County. So we do have disaggregated data in that sense. Okay. Totally different question. Um, <laughs> how long is the census open for to like take? Like how long do you have to do it? Sure. So um, we don't like to announce our deadline because we know people will okay, actually fair. wait until the deadline. Um, okay. And things are changing because of COVID-19. Yeah. What I can say is that May is the start of our um, non-responsive follow-up. 
we'll be sending folks to come in, knock on your door, and basically ask you to fill out the census. So in this particular time, it really behooves all of us to fill it out as early as we can to make sure that we lower the chances of having someone come to your door. Um, and then at this time, we will be accepting responses into mid-August. But again, uh, things may change depending on what happens with COVID-19. If I, I, um, I got two in my mail. I mean, that makes sense. I live in a household of two. <laughs> but I actually haven't opened the envelope yet. But in the envelope, do I have, like, you said that things are available online. Like, I can do it online. I don't have to mail it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's super convenient this year, this is the first time ever we're doing it online. Um, and it's so your first mailing that you'll receive basically will have where you can go to mice2020census.gov and you can fill out your census that way. And basically it'll include a household code ID, which you can enter and it links you to your particular location. However, if you lose it, we'll be sending up follow-up mailings and things like that. And if you really can't find it still, you can still fill it out just by putting in your address. You don't need your household ID code. So if each household has an ID code, like, does it track um, if you filled it out already? So like someone can't go in and fill out the same form like 10 times, right? To count themselves 10 times. So we have a very big quality control department, basically, in the sense that if you do make multiple submissions, they will likely look through that data and see which one is the most accurate, or they will take the most recent one, or they'll might even call you um, to check if your submissions are correct. Because if, for example, you fill it out and you're uh, basically having someone in the household is expecting a baby, but you fill it out before the baby is born, and then the baby is born prior to uh, April 1st, which is census day, and you want to add them on, you can just go in again and you can fill fill it out again. And then basically the quality control folks will make sure that the data is accurate. Mm -hmm. And then you said your community outreach is the AAPIs and there's a lot of different languages that are happening there, especially with older folks. And so how is it, is there like translated material online that they can access? Sure. So what does that look like? Something that's really exciting um, this year for me personally too is we have the census available to fill out online in 13 languages. So there's a ton of languages and it's super, super easy to toggle. Um, if you just go to my2020census.gov, there's like a big globe in the top right and you can click it and it changes the entire, it changes the entire screen to that language or it's also on the bottom. It's very, very clear how you can change the language. And then so we're really hoping that makes it more convenient for folks. We also have on the phone, you can fill it out in 13 languages too. So we have a different hotline number for each different language. And it's a, it's a real person on the other end of the phone. It's not robot, it's not a robocall, it's not like a random um, program or anything like that. It's a real person that speaks your language that, it, that will help you fill out the census. So we're really hoping that this makes it a lot more accessible for a lot of folks that might not speak English as their first language. And additionally, um, if your 13 languages are not included in online or on the phone, we do have 62 language guides. And these cover like 99% of most languages spoken in America. And um, it is not just a printed guide. So you can have the printed one and I can send you the PDF and things like that. It basically translates the census word by word. Um, so that's not only, not only do we have that, but we also have video guides. So we have, I think, 64 language video guides 
um, because there's um, when you get into Chinese, it gets a bit tricky because you have Mandarin spoken and then traditional Chinese or simplified Chinese or Cantonese. So there's a few extra for them. <laughs> so just in general, there are video guides that basically walk you through the census um, question by question again. So it it's super easy. It's all there. It's all available to access. We really do understand that America is very diverse and we do we want to capture that. And that's, that's why we have all these things available. I have a coronavirus related question and I hate that I <laughs> keep talking about it. But actually, so... Right now, we have concerns about the economy with coronavirus, um, and the census is happening at the same time. And so I imagine that a lot of what the U.S. is taking a hit for economically and health-wise, perhaps the census is really important in that sense because we kind of needed, hopefully when we're over this by 2021, um, you know, and the government's talking about where to put our funds I imagine a lot of it will be based on healthcare and kind of revitalizing the economy. But I don't know if that's something that you, as someone who's working for the census, if that's something that's being talked about more often as coronavirus is happening or if there there are other implications that you all are focusing on. Mm -hmm. So the Census Bureau, we just released the statistics, so we don't really have much of a say in a lot of like the decisions regarding um, using the data. However, it is definitely something that we're discussing um, as, mm, I wouldn't say necessarily a form of a current job, but as, as a way to let folks know how important the census is right now. Uh, th- basically, how we allocate all of this, like what you said, it is through the census data, how we allocate all of the um, funding and all of the disaster relief, anything related to healthcare is with census data. And in the future, if another pandemic happens or if there's another emergency, census data is used to make sure that these areas receive relief. I mean, FEMA uses all of this information and there are certain rules about a city has to have this many people in population in order to receive this kind of support. So it's really vital, especially for growing cities, to fill out the census. So it's like, I I keep hearing what you're saying is that literally every count, every person counts. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Like you, you filling out the form, like your number is a significant count in the census. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really important and everyone does count. And um, there is also a misconception that we only count citizens. No, we count every single person in the U.S. doesn't matter if you're a citizen or not. Um, if you're an international student here for a bit, we still want to count you. Basically, if you are in any way using U.S. resources, we want to make sure that you're counted so it can properly provide for everyone. Yeah. Are there any other misconceptions that we haven't asked about that you would like to address about the census? I feel like um, we covered quite a bit already. I think some things that would be good to mention is just Really letting people know there are a lot of scams going around, especially with COVID-19. I think there's one where they're saying that you have to fill out the census in order to receive any stimulus funding from the government in regards to relief. That's not true. Yeah, that's yeah, not true. That's horrible. Um, the census, it's really simple. It's nine questions. We're not going to ask you anything super private. And if you, if we do in the future have any um, stimulus funding, it's not going to be determined by whether or not you fill out the census. 
I think it's a good, what is it, rule of thumb, basically. It's a good rule of thumb for everyone just to sort of look for the 2020 census logo on any of the materials they receive. And that's really a good way of seeing um, whether or not what you are getting is legitimate. When we do have folks starting to knock on doors, you'll be able to tell who's a census employee because they will have a government ID badge. They'll have a census bag. They'll have an official census iPad or census um, iPhone. And then if you ask for more um, validation, they will for sure give you the number to call and basically validate that they are indeed a census employee. And again, we don't ask for social security. We don't ask for credit card numbers. We don't ask for any contributions of any sort. There's no nothing like that. And then if anyone does see something that they're concerned about or not too sure about, please feel free to reach out to me and I'm happy to address it. Great. I feel like I did not understand what the census was before. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, okay, well, what can we do? At, I mean, I don't work for the census, right? But I, me as an individual, what can we do within our own network of communities to encourage our friends and family to fill Sure, I think the... Yeah. And help I think the out. first thing that most everyone can do, and it should be really easy, is just to fill out your own census and then fill it out for your family if they need some extra help. That's totally okay, too. Uh, I know a lot of immigrant children usually do fill it out for their parents, and that's totally fine. So make sure that everyone fills it out. You can share on your social media if when you filled it out. There are some um, challenges going around, and then you're free, everyone's free to participate in those, too. I can dig some up and send, in the, send it in the resource email afterwards. But yeah, just let people know why it's important. It's really easy and it affects the next decade. It's so important and it's it's your community, right? And if you want to do something for your community, yeah. this is something easy. It takes you five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think I think that's super important that you're stressing the next decade thing because I mean we're in our late twenties right now, right? And so whatever takes effect until our late thirties, like this census will be a part of that. If you have a family and you're going to have, you have young kids, or if you're going to have kids, the next 10 years of your life will be affected by it. So it is a big deal. Yeah. If you just sort of think back to what you were doing 10 years ago and like how long ago that was, then I think you can get a good idea of how much time has passed and why it's so important to make sure we get it right. We don't, we don't really do it. We don't do it every year. It's, we do it once every 10 years and 10 years is a long time. Yeah. And a lot can change in 10 years. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joey. And then, yeah, whatever resources you send us, we'll have it available for our listeners to fill out their census and also spread to other people that they know to fill it out. I actually didn't know about the whole international student thing either. So that's that's great. I think they should uh, fill it out as well. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's the episode. Thank you so much, Joey, for coming back and talking about the 2020 census. You can reach her at joey, J-O-I-E dot ha, H-A, at 2020census.gov. And the resources for this episode and the transcript are all up on the website. As a reminder, if you have any questions, you can always reach us at globalcaveat at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at globalcaveat. And thank you to all of you, our listeners and supporters, for helping this podcast run. And a special thanks to Cordell Glass Hot Cocoa for producing our music. Thanks for listening.